You remember. Roll your stealth roll. Game books, pencils, pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the dragon woke up. Roll for initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be. Roll for Initiative podcast. This is volume four, I think, right? Yes. <laughs> 165. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done a show. Uh, we are back. Uh, we're here to stay. We're never going anywhere. Maybe someone else might be, but uh, I'll always be here. Do we right. get bathroom breaks? No, no bathroom breaks. <laughs> All right. One bathroom break per four hours. Ooh. Okay. The I way I, I poo, I need like one every four minutes. Jeez. What are you eating Mexican food? <laughs> what are you eating, Matt? <laughs> lots and lots of energy drinks. Lots of fiber. <laughs> yes. I'm very like regular. Cat. Eating treants and shambling mounds. Yes. <laughs> uh, we are live on the air for Google Hangouts. Uh, you can watch most of our shows here since I think the 150s. I don't know. Just look up Wild Games Productions on YouTube and you will see most of the shows that have gone live on there uh, that I've been involved in. The rest of them are not doing that because they are not interested in that, but we are. Losers. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Losers. Losers. RFIstaff at gmail.com. RFIpodcast.com is our website, which is, is fully going up and People were complaining it was down for a while, but Matt went through and fixed it. He stayed up all night with all the tinkers, and he fixed Yay. it. Yes. Golf clap. Lots of tinkers. Couldn't have done it without the tinkers. Tinker gnomes, huh? Yes. Thank, yes, thank your gnome for our website. The kobolds weren't much of a help. All they did was answer well, your complaint calls. They are, they are kobolds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 5708 is our hotline. Uh, so this week we're going to empty out the email bag and the voicemail line and uh, just get all that taken care of because we got backlogged on a lot of stuff while we were gone. Convention-wise, uh, I know the number one question that I've received via email, so I'll just sum that up real quick, is where is Chad? Chad? Oh, that guy in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's in Chicago. No, the Dead Game Society guy. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard from him in months. Mm-hmm. I know he's had, didn't he have like a change in like his work schedule? It was that, and he, he's, he's mostly really busy with work and his family. So yeah. I know he hasn't done anything with Dead Game Society in a while either. And now we're on pot, we're on podcast convention, <laughs> convention season. Yes. Speaking of po- uh, podcast and convention, there's a giant podcast convention here in Dallas. I don't know if you saw that, Matt. No, I did not. Yeah, it's like $150 to $500 for the tickets. What? What? It's like the biggest podcasters in the world. $150 to $500 a ticket? Yeah, how many days you want to stay there? Um, That makes Gen Con sound like a bargain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is it? Just a bunch of people sitting around talking about how great they are? Pretty much. Yeah, that. <laughs> there's a lot of seminars. There's a lot of one of those, like, when they do the video games, how they have equipment all laying out, and you get to take a peek at them, and uh, you get to see the best setups for podcasting, things okay. like that. So hmm. it's like all type of podcasts. Like, if someone had a podcast about bonsai tree trimming, they would be there. Yeah, like anything, anything. Even the major ones, like you, I don't know, let's say. Wow. Um, like, NPR. Let's let's talk bigger than NPR, Matt. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's something that people actually listen to and not fall asleep to. Like Adam Carolla, for instance, his podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, podcast or one. Kevin Smith, maybe. Yeah, or Kevin Smodcast. That that would be. There you go. There's a guy I listen to once in a while. Mm-hmm. They would be there. I don't know if mm-hmm. Kevin Smith's actually going, but they do have some celebrities there, and it is coming up in July. And I looked at it. I went. I don't care that it's in almost Dallas. I'm going to that. Right. Yeah. For the amount it would cost you to get into that con, you could go to Gen- you could afford to go to Gen Con at those places. Yeah. yeah. Speaking about conventions, uh, we last convention I went to was North Texas RPG Con. It was fun. Uh, I had a good time. I got yeah. to see uh, Frank and Tim and 
Jeff Grubb was there. Uh, Margaret Weiss was there. Uh, Tracy Hickman was there. I don't know if Laura was there, but I know Tracy was there for a while. It seems a lot of them decided to go to this convention instead of Origins this year, which I was. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I went to Origins. <laughs> we know. Yes, I'll talk about that in a minute. So, what else happened in North Texas RPG Con? Uh, I got to sit there. I did some great interviews for the show. Um, oh, cool! I met up with Glenn. We did some funny bits. Uh, we got to I got to sit in and listen to DM Mike of uh, Save or Die, his Victorious game, which was sounded interesting. So finally, being uh, the book should be out soon since the success, ah, successful Kickstarter was uh, good. Cool. So I got to listen to that game, talk to them, talk to uh, Bad Mike for a little while. That was a good fun convention. Spoke to uh, Zach from uh, uh, Lesser Nim. Thank you, listener. I was gonna say Zach, Zach from Glazer. I was gonna say <laughs> Zach from Glazer. Zach Glazer. Uh, he uh, he was nice. We had a little chat there. I bought some stuff from him. Bought some stuff from. Uh, I got the Tingle Manor uh, reprint that they did for Origins. I believe it was. Oh, cool. And then uh, my wife and I decided we were gonna go to a local wrestling show here. <laughs> <laughs> If wrestling always somehow gets involved. Yes, I know. <laughs> Matt would be familiar. It's an NWA organization called Smash Mouth. We were talking about that, Matt. Yeah. All back. I went to that, and then uh, I come out of the show, and my car was broken into. And my car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. So I lost everything. Jeez. Mm. That sucks. Yeah. Did you say that yours wasn't not the only one that was broken into either? There no. was like a. When I called the police and, and spoke to them about it in Arlington of Third Bag, Texas, I um they said it was probably about that was a ten person that had called about that whole incident, so I see. Yeah. Wow. Lux lost some lab lost the laptop with all my recording equipment for mobile mm-hmm. recording, but Damn. And the insurance company is probably not covering it because they're like, Well, you shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been there. Yeah, I but, knew that this was a bad place to be. I didn't know. It was Arlington yeah. Park. Right. Like it was like, you know, there was beer cans and smashed things all over the place and there were people stabbing each other around in the area. You know? I know. It, the, the, and then word park is in the name. It sounds nice. So, <laughs> well, outside of the stabbing each other, that sounds where the like the uh, wrestling show I was, I was working last night. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh-huh. I have to do have to say that they had the, the most ridiculous names for people. The champion was Big Daddy Yum Yum was his name. He's actually wrestled for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, a friend of mine. I don't. I'm trying to think uh, of my Jack. Yeah. Big. Yeah, Daddy. Yum Yum. Yeah, Big Daddy Yum Yum. I th- was there a Bruce Tharp there? No, I, I didn't. At least I didn't see if there was. Okay, yeah, because Bruce Tharp, I think, is the president of the NWA, because he'll pop over there in uh, New Japan with like Rob Conway, and because I think he was the NWA champ at one point. So no, he, he lost. He dropped his title to Action Jackson. So Action <laughs> Jackson. It's very sad. I've actually heard of these people. <laughs> I'm in the wrestling bubble too much. I guess. okay hey that's hey that tripped your trigger i haven't followed wrestling since Mm. (laughs) uh, jj dillon was there matt Uh, that was sweet i didn't him because uh we didn't go to the vip meet and greet that was an extra five dollars that was two hours earlier that i didn't know about oh wow well the the tickets were twenty dollars for the vip seating yeah and it was an extra like five or ten bucks for the extra VIP meet and greet, which I didn't know about. I would have went just to go say hi to him. Right, yeah. Twenty five bucks to see meet JJ. That's not bad. It's like mm. when when I went to the New Japan shows out on the East Coast a few years back, it was like a hundred dollars for a front row seat and the meet and greet to meet the New Japan roster. But now yeah. this was like the, the VIP front row seat was a long bench that you saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. L- at least with the show I went to, it had been like front row at the ECW arena to see New Japan. So, whereas when I went, I sat in the uh, infamous bleachers of the ECW arena. 
And finished bleachers? Yes. Yeah, Anyone who's watched old ECW knows those bleachers. <laughs> so. All right. So anyway, Matt, what have you been up to? I know last time you told me you were going to be playing Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah, we d- we tried that out. Um, it ends up it was actually the fourth edition, not the third edition like I thought. Um, that went – it went well. Um, it took a – we just kind of did it as a one-shot. Uh, my character took a horrible turn – dark with what he was being blackmailed with to the point where I won't even mention what it was on the show. <laughs> but uh, no, it was fun. We'll probably go back to it once our uh, GM uh, gets uh, a chance to actually develop a campaign. He just kind of ran as a one shot to see how we like the system and whatnot. So we'll be returning to that. Um, what, clan? what? What clan? Or what clan? Scorpion. We were all Scorpion <laughs> clan. Oh, you rolled the same thing. Okay. Well, no, uh, that was the one thing for the one shot we said. The story he kind of has uh, plotted out, it, we, it requires us to all be Scorpion. So we just had to all pick a uh, member of the Scorpion clan to be. And uh, coming up today, after we get done recording, I'll be heading over. And we have a grudge match rematch for uh, Fortress America. Um, I always play U.S., and we've played three times. I've beat them twice. Uh, they've beat me once, and the only time they beat me is when the power went out as we were playing, and we had to play by flashlight. Hmm. So I'm blaming the loss on the the uh, lack of proper lighting. So we are doing another rematch, and I will crush them because Rusev. USA always wins Fortress America when I play. Ah. Yes. Yeah, and then also just doing my uh, Gen Con prep. The uh, so kind of kind of excited about that. At the same time, I'm just like, oh my, please don't be this just giant blob mass of humanity that just makes it a, an episodic uh, episode of frustration getting through. Because yeah, Gen Con last year was just weird. With it sounds like it's even going to be weirder and more difficult this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gen Con, it's still go once and see if you like the massive, large scene. It's I know a lot of sharing people the insanity. It. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Just now, Nick. Yes, sir. What have you been doing? Um, things. <laughs> uh, no, I'll. Actually, a couple of things I could talk about. First thing is, uh, you talked about North Texas RPG Con. I went to Origins and had probably one of the best times I've had at Origins this year. Wonderful. First thing I got to say is thank you to all the people who I've met there who uh, who listened to the podcast. I Every year now, it seems like I'm meeting more and more people who have heard of Roll for Initiative. So it's just... It's just going growing tremendously. Um, one person in particular I like to say, you know, thanks to is jo- Jason Paul McCart- McCartan, who does OSR Today. He was there over at the Dungeon Crawl Classics booth, which, Badger? yeah, Badger. Oh, I thought he was overseas. I didn't know he was. No, there. he actually lives in the Columbus area. <laughs> oh, I thought he lived overseas. Wow, cool. Yeah, he lives in the Columbus, Ohio area. He just lives like 10, 15 minutes like out of north of uh, downtown Columbus. And we got to talking, and I'm like, you're Scottish, aren't you? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I'm from Scotland. And I started talking to him Scottish. He's like, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, I had a real good time talking with him and um, the folks there at the Dungeon Crawl Classics booth. I spent a lot of time over there and actually broke down and bought the big game book. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm going to use the whole system, but I am definitely going to mine it for ideas. There's a lot of cool ideas that I, I dig out of it. I might do a one-off or two with the group. I bought some uh, other adventures to go along with it. I was really digging that. And uh, another thing I picked up from 
uh, Osric was the uh, Monsters of Myth book. They had that published. Um, so I picked that up. I thought that was pretty neat. And also uh, they had a nice OSR section there, uh, a little OSR section. And then uh, one of the things I saw, if not people are uh, know about this, Black Blade Publishing is reprinting all the Rob Kuntz's stuff like uh, Bottled City, um, Karen of the Skeleton Key, all those modules that he did originally under Piper Publishing, they're under Black Blade Publishing now. So you can go look for those. I highly recommend Bottled City. It's a great add-on to a mega dungeon. So they had a lot of that there. Uh, saw the folks from Kenzer Co., uh, you know, Jolly Blackburn and, and Barb were there, his wife Barbara. We got to say hi to them. And um, as far as gaming's concerned, I am really impressed with the amount of like old school gaming that's going on there now. Uh, I registered for uh, Area of the Salt of the Slave Lords. Now it's Module A3. We got to play through that. That was really fun. And we got to play, this was the real big one, Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. We got to play through that too. And it's really difficult. Uh, it wasn't difficult for me, but I think maybe for some people who are familiar with the modules, between player knowledge and character knowledge, <laughs> you don't want to metagame it. And I think we did a I, we did a really good job, particularly on the part when we were fighting in Slave Lords. There's a section where you meet up with, uh, it looks like a you meet up with the Demon Lord of Knowles. <laughs> And he's in a room with a whole bunch of like gnolls and ghouls and stuff. I totally forgot that I that there was an it's all an illusion. It's all like phantasmal force spells. And I'm like I'm playing this cleric, and I played him great. He was, he was a cleric of Saint Cuthbert, and I was just like, I will slay you in the name of Saint Cuthbert under his holy wrath. And I'm just really good time with that. And uh, expedition to Barrier Peaks that was good because. Um, we actually destroyed the, well, yeah, yeah we, actually we actually destroyed, destroyed the spaceship. spaceship. <laughs> so like to any typical dungeon my friends and I go into, we tend to destroy them in various ways. So that was really, that was really, really fun. And we walked out of there with an android. Called him Bob. No, Phil. Phil the android. So... <laughs> We're walking around. Our characters now in Greyhawk are walking around with an android named Phil. <laughs> um, got into um, um, two other groups I'd like to put a shout-out to as well is uh, Sparks, who do the D6 Star Wars role-playing game stuff. It's They do that every year at Origins. And again, they done a fan, they did a fantastic job, wonderful job. We went into, I think, three different adventures. Our first one we went into was really outmatched. We were way outmatched. Ugh. It was like most of us, it'd be the equivalent of going into Tomb of Horrors with first level characters and two tenth level characters. Hmm. Yeah, we got we got totally taken out by like a, it was a Sith Inquisitor with three of the Imperial Guards in their red armor. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, because my, my friend Jeff, his character had a force pike stuck into his leg and they ripped his leg off and just walked away. So I'm like, damn. <laughs> we we got off easy there. <laughs> Nick, does the Sparks people use the re-up for Star Wars yet or they have not discovered? Um, the expanded and revised? You know, I really don't know. Um, okay. There's not a whole lot of difference. I mean, I like their group because... Um, they're keeping the D6 system alive, and also it's it's pretty much a living campaign because you can bring your characters over and over again, and you can track it. So it's like living Star Wars. It's very cool. And um, also Rogue Cthulhu, always doing outstanding time there. Uh, we went into two games for that, and um, the first one is it wasn't the actual Call of Cthulhu rules. rules it's something called Dark Cthulhu. And it's very different. It's like minimalist mechanics. I mean, it's just like a D6. And we were all playing in uh, the scenario was called Heist. 
and it was described to us like if Quentin Tarantino directed a Call of Cthulhu kind of film mixed with a little bit of Reservoir Dogs, and this is what you get. So, <laughs> and that's what kind of happens. We were all like hired to try to steal the Mona Lisa. And um, everybody had their own ulterior motives, and uh, no one trusted anybody else. And it ended out with it ended up with my friend's Jeff character running away to Russia because he was actually part of the Russian mafia. My character left and just ran off to the deepest darks of Africa again because he's actually kind of immortal, <laughs> and killed off a lot of other player characters. That, that's that was fun. And then um, we got into a part two of a scenario we did last year called Ascension 2, uh, which I called Ascension 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Just because. Uh, this was a second part of a scenario where there was a spaceship going to Mars. They were uh, nanites on the planet Mars infest the spaceship and the people. It's coming back to Earth. And then the nanites somehow send a signal to Earth and that signal caused a virus to go through like 60 to 70% of the computers on the planet. And we're trying to fight it in that part two. And we actually were fighting the nanites. It like much of the planets taken over. They've taken over people and plants and everything. That was an interesting scenario. It was really fun because we found out a couple of things about the nanites. They don't like dirt. So <laughs> we, my friend Jeff, again, his character, he's playing a Russian cosmonaut, okay? And his he's playing his character as, like, if there's something just occurs to him that sounds good, he just does it. He doesn't explain what he's doing. So he's just, like, we're going to off at Air Force Base, SAC headquarters. We're supposed to help out. We find out that apparently they don't like sound. We're, we, we're, we make these sonic guns and everything. Anyway. All of a sudden, he, he had this, I, I guess he had this idea they didn't like dirt or something. He starts rolling around the mud. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> he goes, mud, dirt, they don't like, cannot assimilate. I'm like, oh, everybody start rolling in the mud. <laughs> Gave us five extra points of armor, and that came through huge. So we actually, it got to the, at the end, we actually uh, were at a, I don't know if you call it a stalemate. But there was a truce with the alien nanites in the human race because the alien nanites, their masters are coming to Earth, and they're going to wipe out the nanites and us. So that's going to be part three next year. We'll hope to get into that. So that will be really, really fun. And all in all, it was a really good convention. I had a lot of good – I had a real good time. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, Origins in a Nutshell. All right, so let's continue on with things. We do have a bunch of voicemails and emails to go on with, so let's head up for the first voicemail we have here this week. Let me just cue that up. Hey, this is DM Raul or Angelic Doctor on the forums, on the OSR Gaming forums, and this is for Roll for Initiative. I just listened to your latest uh, episode on OSR Gaming, and it was incredible. Loved it. Love the show, guys. Keep up the great work. For myself, I know I had been away from the hobby for at least 10 years while I was in the military and having a starting a family. But uh, then I wanted to get back into it, and so my gateway back into the hobby was through the uh, I mentioned Dragon's Foot Forms and then, of course, the Castles and Crusades game by the Troll Lords. And uh, to me, or what I like to call it as uh, what D&D 3rd Edition should have been. Anyway, again, thanks for the show. Keep up the great work, and we'll see you on the forums. Bye-bye. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Our minions are growing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you for the call and roll. And uh, yes, I'm glad you were into the hobby full force and enjoying it. With guns a-blazing. I know he plays a lot of Star Wars, too. Cool. Yeah. All right. The next one comes from guess who? Uh, let me guess. Uh, DM Kojo? Actually, we have two voicemails from DM Kojo. Oh, cool. Two? Well, my goodness. He's been a busy boy. <laughs> hey, guys. This is DM Kojo calling for a role for initiative. Just wanted to call and uh, thank you guys for some great shows recently. Really enjoyed them. 
Um, bummed I uh, didn't see any RFI presence at GaryCon this year. Hopefully next year, maybe at least one of you guys that live closer can uh, make it up there. But I uh, wanted to call in today with a request um, for module review, uh, specifically at the two-parter here. The classic module I-1, Dwellers of the Forbidden City by Zeb Cook, is uh, one of my favorites. It was originally a tournament module, I know, um, and it was a lot, of, a lot of fun. I played that one back in the day. And then last year, I had a chance to pick up a module from Pacesetter Games, EM4, Legacy of the Forbidden City, written by Bill Barsh. And uh, it's a first edition compatible adventure um, that takes place uh, in the Forbidden City 50 years later. So kind of an homage to the original module uh, without actually referencing the original in it, of course, for copyright reasons. But uh, a really good uh, adventure from the looks of it. I haven't had a chance to run it, but thought uh, I would call in and suggest it to you guys. Um, but maybe you guys take a look at uh, both of those uh, in an episode, maybe. All right. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Bye. Mm -hmm. Dwellers of the Forbidden City. I have that one, and I'm trying to think if I did a review of that. Or, I'm sorry, Blackstone did a review of it. I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll consult with him and, and see if he has. If not, that's a good module. I, uh, it's almost like um, Secret of Bone Hill. It's it's very um, sandbox like. So that would be a good one to to review. And I've heard it's like very hit, influenced by a, um, I guess the Conan story Red Nails. One from people the the Conan Barbarian story Red Nails. I've heard some people say I believe that was heavily influenced by it, but that's a good one to review. And I heard about the other one too. I saw it on Pacesetter's website, so I'd be willing to review those if you guys are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I went through. It doesn't look like Blackstone ever talked about I one. Well, there you go. <laughs> we'll put that on our list. We'll put that in the queue. While you're speaking to Blackstone, Nick, you might want to talk to him about actually doing something again because he's getting paid and not doing it yeah. yet again. He is. Oh, that son of a gun. Um, all right. I'll see what you can. I'll try to head over to the fortress, and hopefully I won't get pelted by ballistas and catapult you know, stones. So right. I'll wave the white flag and see if they'll let me in. Bring up Kojo Part 2 here. Hey, guys. This is DM Kojo calling for Roll for Initiative. Just wanted to give you a call and uh, let you know I really enjoyed episode 163 about the OSR. Such guys gave a great synopsis of the formation of the uh, OSR. As someone who kind of got in here on the, the wave um, of the OSR, I, I agree with a lot of your comments. A lot of great products out there, a lot of good retro phones, lots of support uh, and interest, I think, in earlier editions of D&D. &D. Uh, and I think uh, as far as the future of the OSR goes, uh, I agree with some of what you guys said. I think this edition D&D &D, uh, is bringing a lot of uh, old school players uh, to that version where they're playing in an old school manner. I think as those of us in our uh, 40s here and such are uh, our kids to it and that style of play, I think you're going to see them get older and become uh, kind of part of that mainstream gaming community. So it won't be OSR, it'll just be um, playing in an old school manner. So also appreciate the uh, props you gave for Dungeon Crawl Classics role playing game. Uh, it's a great game. Uh, my group and I have been playing it for about a year and a half, loving it. And it's uh, very old school in feel, obviously, and uh, but I still consider myself an old school gamer, even though I'm playing a newer game because of the way that the game is played, and that's really what it all boils down to. So, great job as always, guys. Keep up the great work. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, thank you, DM Kojo. <laughs>
You know, it's funny uh, how he said about the OSR community, how it's um, becoming more uh, prevalent, I guess, more well-known. And I have to agree, particularly when I went to Origins this year, I've really got a good look. It's like, wow, it's it's really have it's becoming a, I don't know if you want to call it a, it's kind of like a niche within the larger RPG community, but it's becoming very vocal and I like that. And so it's something, I think it's something that a lot of people shouldn't just like uh, say it's passe or, you know, it's just a, a going, uh, uh, just a fad. I think it's something in the community that's growing and it's going to become like, I think he says, going to be a little more integrated into the community as a whole. Right. Just the concept of gaming in an old school style, whatever that definition is. Right. I think you know. it's this is more instead of just being like a nostalgia thing where people are willing to go back and revisit the youth, their youth. I think it's actually just that style of play is making mm-hmm. a comeback and it'll actually influence the what would have been more like the uh, 3.54e and it'll become some sort of homogenized D&D 5th edition-ish type style. Yeah. So it'll ha- it'll take oh, the yeah, aspects of both. And I think that's going oh, to be yeah. more this way going forward. Oh, I, and no, I mean, there's no doubt there's a little bit of nostalgia involved with it. And that's one of the attractions for, you know, for us are like in our, you know, 30s and 40s. But beyond that, there's actually um, amazing support within that community beyond just the cool, oh, man, I remember that sort of thing uh, concept. It's going into so many different areas now as far as, you know, support from different uh, game companies, individuals, uh, websites, podcasts like ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's become its own subculture within a subculture, I guess. Yeah. But it, it's... It's slowly growing. It's slowly growing, and and I that is very promising to me. I don't think it's going to be going away. No, I, I it act. I think it actually does have the staying power, unlike a true nostalgia fad. It comes back. Mm-hmm. Oh, everyone remember this because at that, if it was a true nostalgia, you wouldn't see the influx of new creations based on those ideas. Whereas if it's mm-hmm. true nostalgia, it would just be let's dust off all the old modules and books and it wouldn't actually be creating its own new work it would just be living in the past and i think that's a great thing because it's like a little bit of both i mean you that's how it kind of started with a nostalgia factor like like i said with hackmaster it was like ad and d first and second edition repackaged they did all the modules again and then it just grew from there then you saw your own takes on certain things from the past and they become unique in their own right. And I think dungeon crawl classics is an, another step into that. And we're seeing more, I think we're seeing a lot more of that and more support of it, but it's like, it's a little bit of both a little bit of nostalgia, nostalgia. That's, you know, the, like the reprints that wizards of the coast did. I mean, come on, they must've saw something there. Right. You know, <laughs> If they reprinted those four books, there must've been something to it. And I don't think you can, you can deny that a certain amount of the old school RPG community had something to do with that, those coming out. So you have both of those things, both of those factors. There's new stuff, like you said, that's inspired by old school type of gaming, that mindset and some of the old stuff just coming back when people wanted to play again, cause it's still good. Right. It's not like it's broken right. unless, well, well, there are a few games back then that were that were yeah. actually broken, but right. <laughs> yes, because that was the fledgling days of game design. At which point, there's a lot of experimentation, and sometimes right. when you experiment, stuff doesn't work. But now yeah. we've learned from that, and so therefore we can like champions. Upon. Yes, remember making a champions character? You had to be at like I don't know, almost had to be a PhD in mathematics. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Or Traveler, which I enjoy, but I mean, it was the first game of its kind where if you create a character, it could die in character creation. Um, Actually, (laughs) I think it was last, yeah, last week we gamed and we did Traveler character creations. Yeah. Mike, I had characters die twice in character creation. 
And I old school before old school got a name. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, this is exactly what I want out of my gaming experience. I want to die during character creation. And and I'm actually not being facetious. I, I, when they, the guy who was going to run the traveler game said he's doing the new traveler. I'm like, can you die in character creation? He's like, I don't think you can in this version. I'm like, I want the one where you can die in character creation. Because I want that. I want that. <laughs> what because that it's such a novel nihilism. concept. <laughs> Thank you, GDW, for having games where you can die while making your character. And that almost came full circle with Dungeon Crawl Classics with the character funnel. Right. You're asked to make two or three characters. And uh, then more like you 10 or 11. Adventure and you could have a whole bunch of them die. Yeah. So, yeah, in some ways, the character funnel is the next iteration of the Traveler Die During Character Creation. Yes. Alrighty, then. Let's go on to the next one. Hey, RFI guys. This is DM Shayman. I have a couple questions for you guys. But first, I would like to tell you that I really enjoy your podcast, and I've been making my way through all your old ones. And even when you guys get off topic, it's still pretty fun. Uh, my first question is the length of D&D sessions. Um, I've been running one with four other people, and it seems that we've been hitting about the four-hour mark. And I didn't know if you guys had a preferred amount of time that you like yours to run so that people don't get bored with it after a while. So far, everybody's had a good time, but it seems like a long, a long time to play. And... Uh, and how do you uh, end a session smoothly without just cutting it off and kind of going cold? Um, my second question is, how prepared should I be for a, for a session? Do I need to memorize the whole module? I mean, I realize you guys are doing first edition, so those are fairly old and you probably got them memorized, but I'm doing fifth edition. I know it might be a dirty word, but um, so it's all new to me. How far ahead do I have to prepare? And then how much ad lib do you guys throw into your adventures? Um, For me, it seems kind of hard to ad lib much without feeling like I may make a mistake that doesn't really jive with the module or the adventure. Um, so if you guys could answer that, that would be awesome. Really appreciate it and keep up the good work. Hmm. Prepared? Um, hey, are. Um, whoops. <laughs> um, prepared. Um, yes, read the module. Uh, that's, we definitely recommend that. Yeah. It's always a yeah. good thing. At least read it once, and then the second time, read it again. And... Be prepared to be thrown off course. Yes. Actually, yeah. Expect to be thrown off course. Usually what I'll do is... Murphy's Law. Yes. They they, they will break your game. So usually what... I don't try to prepare too much... Um, mostly I will just, I'll go through as, as those of you, yes, as I, I play like the cat just goes across the screen, sets it on the floor and I'm sure we'll repeat this process a few times. Uh, yes, but I'll usually, I'll read through the module. They have a general idea of the main plot points of this needs to happen in order to at least make it somewhat the module. And then from there, I may read a little bit of like the setup and then because I don't know what my players are going to do other than something horribly wrong. Um, I'm so doing battle currently with a kitten. This is not fun, (laughs) but yeah. And as you can see, I wouldn't be able to prepare if I wanted to, because I would have a kitten just wanting my attention. (laughs) So, but no, I do little prepare and I just, I really play off what the players are doing sometimes they will throw out ideas for the plot what where they think the plot is going that i like better than the module so i'll steal that that way the players get to feel smart and i get a better story out of it and sometimes like for me my sessions they only go two and a half two two and a half hours so they're not that extended to where i have to do a lot of prep either so I yeah I'm a very much more of a I'll just ad lib with I have a few pl- overarching plot points to get me through the session. 
Well, and Kitty wants to help. Yes, Boo really does want to help. And mind you, the only time she wants to help is when I'm on the computer. Other than that, she'd be trying to eat me. Four hours is my 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 game go to session. Four to six. Six is stretching, and four is like the minimum. Yeah, I agree. I would say, yeah, we usually average per month when we get together, probably about actual play time, four to six hours. Yeah, that sounds about right. As far as preparedness is concerned, I think one of the things you got to do is know your group. You know, how do they play? Are they the type of group that just hang on your every word? Then you can probably read the module and one time. And then the second time, like you said, it's read through it again. And I would add to that, that's just the second time is where you're going to make the notes. You know, things that you want to be, be, that might be confusing when it comes to them. Like, I know for me, like, certain types of real complex traps. That might be something I want to take a note on and I'll think, I'll run through it in my head a few times. That's just an example. Um, I also think about how certain NPCs might react to certain things that the player characters do. Um, so that might be some things I might take notes on. Um, other than that, I, I, I think, yeah, the time is good. hours, And as far as ending it, I guess you want to end it at a time where the, the group itself is comfortable with, like maybe you got done with a combat, for example, and they want to find a, a relatively safe place to heal up, to memorize spells and what have you. So that would be a good place to stop. Or maybe you want to hang it, leave it on a cliffhanger. Like, they meet the maniacal, laughing, evil guy, and he gives his monologue, you know, he's monologuing, and after his monologue, you stop it there. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that, you know, continue next week. Right. I, so I also like stopping. I, I kind of like doing that. Yeah, I like stopping even right before combat, too. So that way, the next session, it starts off with something that will get all the players going, like, okay, last session, you, you come across the massive horde of insert enemy here. Okay. And then when we start up, okay, you're in front of this horde. What do you do? Insert name here. That's a terrible name. Yeah. Oh no. It's the, it's the greatest thing though. He, it can fit in any campaign. We're the evil horde of insert name here. Exactly. And at that point, it, it can insert name here can span across genres, time streams, it could be an overarching villain in every RPG game you ever run. <laughs> I hate, I think we're both being sarcastic here. Yes, <laughs> just slightly. Albeit Vince now is I'm just shaking his head like, oh, geez. <laughs> All right, so there we go. There's your answer. Let's go on to the next email. Our voicemail, excuse me. Hello, staff at RFI. This is Angelic Doctor on the forums, or DM Raul. I've got a question. You know, back in the day, there was a fad, if you will, to create your own classes. And one of the Gygax magazines I saw that this tradition is somewhat continued. I was wondering, have any of you on the RFI staff ever created your own class? Or if you've never created your own class and therefore have no class, no, I'm just kidding. Do you have any ideas as to what such a class might look like? How do you make a, a class in first edition AD&D? That's something I've always wondered. It's, is there not an exact science? I kind of suspect that there isn't based on many of the Dragon magazines I've seen. But I would like to get your thoughts on the matter. Thank you very much and have fun gaming. Well, first I want to say it sounds like he's a live remote on some location in an island somewhere. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Uh, making classes, of course we all made up our own classes. No, there's no science. You just kind of went with something that looked good and went with it. And hope the DM was like, yeah, cool. So. Yeah. Uh, I would be actually be one of the classless. I've never made my own class. Uh, usually what I'll do, because when I think about it, 
when you make your own class, that means what the other classes aren't able to represent what you're wanting to accomplish. And usually I find that the classes in like first edition are flexible enough that you could just flavor them and fluff them to be whatever you want class-wise. I mean, now if there's something specific, like I say a cleric wants to use a blunt weapon or something like that, I'll be like, okay, or like I had a cleric one time that wanted to use like a crossbow. I'm like, okay, backstory, explain to me why this cleric is special and use, is using this. And if you come up with a good explanation, then okay, good, I'll, I'll let you do it. So that's like the extent of my class um, modifications. It's more of just little minor adjustments to the existing ones as opposed to overhauling it and creating my own. Yeah, I don't think I've ever made a class myself. Now, recently in my, my Land of a Thousand Towers campaign, I've modified classes from other works. Like I've taken... A um, couple of stuff in the source book for anomalous subsurface environment for that and modifying it to be used for first edition GD&E rules or uh, Adventures Dark I've ported some of that stuff over and I modified a gladiator class, I think, from Hackmaster and and use that as well. But I've never made one in my own. I don't think I'm that good. I know there was so a... There's no rural formula. There was an Excel sheet for making up classes that someone made with an article that was based on basic edition and second edition. <laughs> but nothing for first. So you can... I don't know what the name of that was. I've seen it once in our forums, and you'd have to go around looking for it. There was an article... I think in a Dragon magazine, they explain how to make classes. And then someone made an Excel sheet breaking down everything the person told. And so you can easily just punch in stuff to get the experience for each custom class that you wanted to do. So it might be something to look into. Okay. I would, I would be afraid to make my own because I would, I'm not say afraid that I'd be a little, um, Intimidating because I think you might get to a point where you might you might make the class too powerful, you know. It doesn't and it like overpowers other character classes within the uh, within the system. I guess weird thing I'm thinking game balance. Oh no! <laughs> I found the an article for creating new classes in Dragon. It was from Dragon eighty two, or no, it was Dragon two forty three on page eighty two. In a class oh, wow. by themselves, by Tom Doolin. Yeah, I think that was it. So, that's where you can look all that information up. Dragon Magazine number eighty-two. No, or two forty-three on page eighty-two. I'm like, for whatever reason, numbers do not like me today. Matt's being distracted by his cat. Yes, I, I'm like on guard now. All right, so let's head over to some of the emails we have. Okay. The first email comes in from DM Morgan Z. Sowell. He was the one that wrote the uh, module that we picked in our contest way back when. Remember oh, wow. The, wow. A Darkness Under the Apple Valley that we uh, picked as our winner of modules? Yes. Wasn't that like two years ago? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I think Will was part of the show. Yes, yes he was. Yes. He's like, some time ago, I entered and won your podcast module contest. I proudly have my prize on his bookshelf. <laughs> after I entered, I took ill for a long while and was distracted. I consequently never dropped your show in line to say how much I enjoyed writing my module and how honored I was to have won. How much your show has kept my spirits up when I was ill. And thank you for the very kind review on the air. And he said... Uh, I understand DM Will is no longer with the podcast. If you were in contact with him, please forward my many thanks for the books. So uh, thank you for writing in. We're glad that you enjoyed uh, the review and glad that you won. So, uh, and I'm glad we were able to help you through uh, whatever happened to you with your time. And glad you're better now, hopefully. Better and gaming and stronger and faster. Like the $6 million man. <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> No, um, no. Okay, so we have another email that came in from Goblin's Henchman. 
And he said he just put out an article in issue number 11 of End Magazine. And uh, he thought maybe we can do a review of End Magazine. That might be not a bad idea. He's also the person that left the 10-minute voice message that broke the tape, so he says. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, in all fairness and everything, you always say, talk as long as you'd like. So he merely took us at our word. So, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, still, still not as long as the Julie voicemail. I'm sorry, my friend. Remember that one from way back when, Matt? Oh, oh yes. That, that Jason was just like, oh, my God. It was on the show back then. She went on for like 18 oh, minutes. Wow. That was, that was yeah. 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 She, she made her own segment on the show. Yes. <laughs> yes, that wasn't a voicemail. That was a segment. We should have put bumpers around it. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, he did actually uh, set alignments for each of the hosts on the podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. Okay, we're going to start with uh, – I'll start with Nick. Nick, he said you would be a chaotic, good, gnome illusionist thief. <laughs> gnome illusionist thief? Mm-hmm. Okay, I okay, could go I with the chaotic, chaotic Gnome illusionist thief. That would be fun. Yes. <laughs> Matt would be a neutral good tinker gnome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Considering my issues with technology. <laughs> DM Will, uh, formerly of the podcast, will be a lawful good human paladin. Yeah. <laughs> but your moniker is the evil GM. That was DM Will, I said. Oh. Yes. No, don't worry. Mine would be a lawful evil human cavalier. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, yeah that works. Uh, thank you. Chad would be a lawful neutral human psionicist because he's the only one on the show who likes psionics. <laughs> and he said, failing that, he would be a ninja. Ninja. <laughs> and DM Crispy. Oh my god. I don't, I'm don't. not sure why he did this. Maybe it was a typo, but he put a chaotic, chaotic evil Kender. Chaotic <laughs> evil Kender. He put CCE, so I'm assuming that's chaotic, chaotic evil. So he's massively chaotic oh, in oh. more ways than one. Just a little, little bit. He's a Kender, or uh, no, he'd be a Kender Oriental Barbarian Paladin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, That's uh, one of a party. And he said he should be on the podcast more often. Well, we, you know, Crispy's in Crispy Land right now, so. And, Is that anywhere near uh, Kentucky? Kentucky? Yeah. And, oh, DM Jason would be a chaotic, neutral, elven magic user. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I that one doesn't fit, though. Well, Jason would be more like a lawful, neutral Elven magic user. Yeah, awful neutral. And uh, he also goes on to say, P.S. I missed the old bumpers that said, Master, Master, they're at the gates again. Those ones. I don't remember that one. I think those were uh, the the ones that might have been a little on the long side, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, those are the ones that Full On Gamer did that everybody said they hated because they were, like, too long. Right, right. They were cool, but they were just waiting. Yeah, they were. They were quality. They, no, they were great bumpers. It was just they were a little on the long side. Hmm. Well, thank you for that interesting uh, assessment. So, no no business, Steve. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I could run with that. that. All right, so this one comes in from DM Ray. He says, hey, guys, great podcast. I've been playing AD&D for almost 30 years, along with many other games. I plan to bring – are you have any plans to bring back the RFI DM screen? No. <laughs> There's your answer. No. I am new to your podcast and just heard about it. I know I'm four years behind, but wanted to know if I could still get one somewhere. No. no that was unfortunately no. That was a horrible debacle to deal with. That whole we could have could have just limited edition release and left it at that. Right, it was a limited edition release. It was just a debacle. Is what it was. producing DM screens is hard. Yeah, the dude that did the DM screens took forever to do them. Gave me a date, promised me a date, and then then wrote me back a week before the date, telling me it was going to be two weeks later. 
So I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. And then the dude friggin' sent the DM screens after putting them together inside of a plastic bag inside of a box. So what happened when I took them out of the plastic grocery bag that he put them in from wherever supermarket, it's stuck to the side of the modules, uh, the side of the DM screens. So about six of them I had to give a half discount on because it was a paper bag. I mean, a plastic bag stuck to it. Uh, Someone's uh, like they were talking in the background there. But anyway, the, I, the plastic bag stuck to half of them so because of the glue he didn't let dry and he just shoved them in the bag and sent them out. In which he uh, said, oh, well, that's the breaks to me when I got them. So I had to give discounts to everybody. And wow. he was the only person that I've ever found that could do a screen. And half of them were lopsided. And he was just like, oh, it's human error. You know, not everything's perfect. I'm like, if you're doing it by hand, they should be perfect, dude. Right. Right. It's not like it was a machine doing it and you were just shoving it through a machine and going, meh, and then throwing it on the pile. He said he did. He hand did every one of them. Wow. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot about that. I must have blocked that on my memory. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, DM Ray. Um, okay, so we had a really long email about giving experience points from the Goblin Henchman, and I'm going to summarize most of it. He just listened to 156 about warning experience, XP for encounters, not just killing. Uh, XP should be rewarded for overcoming an encounter, even if the monster is not killed and we're scaring it off or running away with an illusion, something like that. Securing treasure is important. And by securing, he means get the treasure out of the dungeon, not necessarily walking all the way back to the homestead, but at least get it to a secure area. Uh, no XP for gold acquired in trade. He doesn't believe that you should be taking gold in trade and using that for experience points. Maybe you don't agree with that. Some people do. And uh, he, should, he also says if you sell weapons that are magic weapons at uh, whatever gold value, you shouldn't lose the experience points for for uh, selling the weapon away. You should obtain it either way. I don't agree with that, but and that's the emails. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No comments about gold for XP and stuff? Yeah. Well, you, you with me... Then my Ravenloft campaign, I was handing out gold like candy just because I was trying to level them up very quickly. So I was a little more lenient on the uh, what they did with their gold just because I'm trying to level them up rapidly. But, yeah, I do think uh, when it comes to the, like, the gold for XP, like, just securing it, it does not necessarily back back in their house in their giant money bin shouldn't it should that shouldn't be a requirement to get it but just somewhere to where they couldn't easily like oops we forgot it as we were running away from this monster so there, i think there's like a happy medium with that and as for xp for uh getting around monsters as opposed to just killing them absolutely i will gladly if they come up with a novel way to defeat a monster that doesn't involve poking them with a sharp object then yeah i'll give them xp for that so I'm, I may be a little on the generous side when it comes to XP. All right, then. Cool. I guess that's uh, going to wrap yeah. up the show this week. And we thank everybody for the email and voicemail. We'll be back in two weeks. Be back mm-hmm. in two in two, like Chuck Woolery used to say. <laughs> With another show. Uh, hopefully we will find another module to review from the OSR community. So having fun doing that. Oh, we did get a nod and a wonderful picture on our Twitter from the last episode from the module uh, that we just reviewed. I can't think of the name offhand. Red. Um, oh, the little bit of the the Yes, the what was it? The Red Crows M4 group. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name offhand right now. Yeah. It just popped into my head. They sent us a picture of holding up a drink to us, saying thank you for the wonderful review. Cool. Well, you're welcome. Well, it was a great module. I liked. I yeah, yeah, it. wonderful. Wonderful. I was glad that popped up on the thing, and I was able to download that and uh, re- give it a review on the show. So hopefully, people went and checked it out and bought more of their stuff uh, along the way. All right, so 165 in the can. So good night, everybody. 
Good night. Good night. Everybody. This podcast is brought to you in part by a not very generous grant from Lesser Gnome, publisher of quality role-playing games since last year. Gnomes value high-minded programming just like you. Learn more at their website at www.lessergnome.com. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.